Hello, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.tv. This is the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us today. Uh, we have an interesting topic again today. We hope we get some um, comments, questions, feedback from everybody or anybody in the audience. If you're coming in from the Zoom app, just use the uh, chat uh, button or the Q&A button. The box will pop, window will pop up and just type away. If you're coming in from our Facebook, let's see, you're going, I think we're going in on Jeff's Facebook page. And if you're coming in from the Facebook page, then just use the comment box there below the video. Um, let's uh, bring in our panelists. I'm your host, Drew DeGrotto. Jonathan Sadler is with us today. Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm uh, not feeling 100%, but I'm here. Yeah, you just sound a little like a head cold coming up. Glad you're still able to come come in and hang in there with us. Our program director, Scott Smeltzer. Scott, good to see you. Uh-oh. Hey, Drew, how are you doing? Oh, okay, you do hear me. All right. And also... And okay. Scott, you're down in uh, Gettysburg. You work with the church in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Yes, and I work together. And I'm curious what percentage Jonathan is. If he's not 100% today, 90, I'd say, I'd say probably 75. <laughs> 75, okay. Well, Jeff is with us today from the Exton group. And Jeff, I know you're 100% today, right, Jeff? 100%. <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> uh, great to see you. Great to see all of you. So today we're going to be talking about um, morality. Where, where does morality come from? You know, people are always arguing about what's right and what's wrong. And, and usually when we're arguing it, we're always arguing it from a subjective point of view, a personal point of view. In other words, uh, it's up to each person to determine what is right and wrong. And in fact, if you look at it from the evolutionary worldview, Actually, then how can anyone determine if there is a right and wrong? And we'll look back and forth at some of the arguments because the question is of today, where does morality come from? So Scott, why don't you start off? All right, let's, let's, uh, let's start with this, with a question that I use in a street survey sometimes. So if Drew, if you'll pull that up. Uh, and when I would do this survey, I would ask four questions in one minute thing. And the first they would identify, the first question was whether they were, had religious belief in God, whether they were atheist, whether they were agnostic. And I want us to take a look at the agnostic question. And then in a minute, uh, we'll have Jeff take the role of an unbeliever and, and argue from an unbelieving point of view about morals. But let's, let's start with this. So here's uh, four simple questions. Uh, which best describes your current religious belief? And suppose somebody said agnostic. Okay, so Drew's gonna go ahead and click agnostic. And then we we'll go to next. Let's skip question two, because it's about something else. Let's go ahead and get to question three. Well, so I have to, I have uh, to, hit, I have to hit one of, to get to question three, I have to hit one of them. First one. Click the first one. Okay. Click the first one. All right, and then uh, we get to question three. Moral truth, so here's your choice, multiple choice. Moral truth is relative and cultural, not absolute. We make our own truth. Or, right, and this is answering the question, what is your concept of right and wrong? 
Answer A, moral truth is relative and cultural, not absolute. We make our own truth. Or right and wrong exist above and beyond culture. So gentlemen, what do you suppose almost every agnostic chooses on question number three here? Moral truth is relative and cultural, not absolute. We make our own truth. That's what they always pick. And that's what our culture today teaches. All right, so uh, Drew's got that click. And then we get to the last question. If a given society, because remember culture determines morals, if a given society approves of child pornography, pornography, pedophilia, and extermination of the elderly, and by the way, there's been societies that that's what they did with the elderly, they would just kill them off. Is their behavior morally right because truth is merely relative and cultural, and that's their culture, or morally wrong because right and wrong exists as truth above and beyond our society? See, that's where people this are going because they're going to, they don't yes, yes, they do. sound like that they're for any of this, but they're also not sure that they're happy with your definition of some of this, but they don't want to sound like they're for any of it because it sounds bad, but they don't want to be told that something they're doing is wrong necessarily. So they have trouble with this. Why is it sounding bad though? If you, you know, if, 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 uh, if you don't believe there's a, there is, ultimate truth or, or truth outside of ourselves, then why would that sound bad? Who, who's going to determine that? Well, if there's some guy and he's sleeping with a 15-year-old girl, he hardly wants to say that pedophilia is necessarily bad. But when you say pedophilia, that always sounds bad. Mm. Mm. So my experience with this question, these questions were designed to get people to think, and they yeah. did. And so what, what, did they say? what did they say for this one? So at Drexel University, a uh, gentleman looked like maybe 30-ish, 40-ish, had a button on his lapel, said, I'm a scientist. Uh, question number one, he picked that he is an agnostic. Question number three, of course, he said, it's relative and cultural. And then we got to this one, and he, I said, if a given society approves of child pornography and pedophilia and extermination of the elderly, he said, oh, that would be wrong. Uh, another fellow just went, you got me. Either <laughs> on this one or another. One lady went, it would be wrong, but I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I had, uh, had, had a student or two over at Drexel University and another young man who, who went for it. They, they stated their position in number three, you know, what they've been taught for years. It's all culturally relative. So when I got to question number four, they, they took it. They said, yes, it would be right. It would be right for them. Should I stop sharing the screen? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Jeff, how about you pick up there and take us where uh you want to go next if you want to well all right i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna try my best to we don't have if we get a, an atheist or an agnostic who wants to send us some comments and and, and set forth your views of, of morality and where it comes from please do so i'm gonna because i'm not an atheist i'm not an agnostic but i'm gonna try to represent the mentality that i run into amongst many people in the world today and and i'm gonna say right. sure there's yeah, there's right and wrong. Sure, there's right and wrong. 
So they don't, you don't have to, you don't have to believe in the Bible to believe in right and wrong. I, I believe in right and wrong and I don't believe in the Bible. So what is right and what is wrong? Well, I mean, if, if, um, if, if you want to, if you want to steal from your, your neighbor, that's wrong. If you want to kill your neighbor, that's wrong. If you uh, treat poor people badly, that's wrong. Uh, those things are wrong. You shouldn't do those things. That, that's not good for society. It's not good for anybody. It's destructive. All right. Let, let me just, so let me just ask a couple of other questions. So if something is destructive and hurts somebody else, it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so wrong. In an abortion. In an abortion where you chop up a baby, that's destructive. Well, well no, 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 that's religion. No, 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 no. Now you're talking about religion. That's, see, um, and that baby is, is not really a person yet. That baby hasn't been born. It, we're talking about being destructive to people. You can be destructive to warts, and you can be destructive to uh, tumors and, and things like that. We're talking about people here, being destructive to people. So when, when a couple is looking forward to their child being born and they say, oh, I felt the tumor kick. I felt the wart kick. They, were, they realize that's not what's going on. They realize what? They felt the baby kick. Well, all right. Let, okay. You're, oh, okay. Well, uh, well, I mean, sometimes you can feel tumors do things. I mean, just because you feel something move doesn't mean it's a person. <laughs> okay. You're making, right, let's, let's, let's not talk about abortion. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> Jonathan Drew, chime in here. Uh, I'm, I'm having difficulty with some technical stuff. Apparently, we can't get well, on. Here's the, here's the, I'll be the, being the atheist, being the agnostic. I just, I'll just affirm, though, that I don't have to believe in a God telling me what's good to, to be a good person. I can be a good person, right? Well, where do you define good? All right. Well, I think society defines good. Society understands good. We grow up in a culture in which we kind of learn that what works makes people get along. And, and so that's good. When people get along, that's good. Well, they were getting along in the early 1800s of this country, and everyone was happy with that except for the slaves. But other than that, everybody thought that was good. Well, you know. I've but, a couple. Go okay. Ahead. Go no, go ahead. All right, so uh, let's let's go back to you said like if you steal from somebody, that's wrong. Yeah. So you're that going would... to be an average, yes, and you you think yes, people should be good. You shouldn't steal from right. people. So I have three or four questions here. Yeah. But you shouldn't steal from the poor man, right? Right. 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 Okay. Um, you work at a small business. Okay, you work at a small business. Uh, should you steal from your boss? No, that would be immoral. That would be immoral. Okay, sh you work for a large, large corporation. Should you steal from your corporation? It's it's probably not ideal, but it doesn't have the same effect. So it's you know moral morality is really uh, a little bit relative. You uh you uh in business you've got some things that come in on a cash basis and you could get away with not reporting that as income should you cheat on your taxes 
Well, if you've got an oppressive government, then sure, you don't necessarily want to support the oppressive government. But but if you have a, a government uh, that's trying to do good by the people, then it, it's helpful to society if everybody carries their load and you know pays their fair share. So that would be moral. But everything that you're saying, what if, Jeff, wait a minute, Scott. You're letting him off the hook too easily because everything he's saying is his opinion. He doesn't have any authority. He just has his opinion. And he may even use the fact that a majority of people have that same opinion. But that doesn't, that's not what makes it right or wrong. I can have an opposing opinion. And who are you to tell me that my opinion is wrong? Well, it really is. Oh, throughout history, it's kind of the majority of people that determine what's right and wrong because when something is is hurtful to society as a whole that's when it's immoral but and, why is it hurtful who's determining it's hurtful well when most people think it's hurtful then it then it's hurtful when they think it's so it's it's subjective i could think it's not hurtful sure it's subjective sure all right so therefore all everybody right. can have a different subjective opinion and we'll go to war over it well, let's keep illustrating this. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you notice how engaged right, Jeff, I are, Jeff and I are here right now. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so uh, keeping on exploring your opinions on this, what if the poor man is oppressive? What if he's oppressive to other poor people? It can, well, if he's if oppressive to other poor government, people. Well, no, if he's oppressive to other poor people, then, then he's part of the problem. But you have to also take into consideration so, the fact that he, he may be, he may be, if he's poor, he's probably been oppressed himself. And so maybe the cause is just immorality in society that's created this okay. situation where this poor man oppresses other poor people. It's probably, you know, that's probably. All the right. Problem. So now that, now that he's an oppressive poor man, but we don't know why he's oppressive, but we can speculate. So now is it okay to steal from him? To, to steal from the poor man? Well, see, society as a whole should look at this poor man and decide whether he is hurtful or helpful to society. And, and then okay. they can deal with All right. Oh, wait, so wait, let's wait. say oh, okay. it's the 30. It's what? Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, Scott. It's the 30s. And society as a whole has decided that certain people have been oppressive and are interfering with the evolution of the master race and society as a whole decides to start exterminating certain people. Uh, you're going to play the Nazi card on me. Um, well, well it, but that's uh, a reality. That's a reality. Kind of, oh, yeah, I'm going to share my screen here. Okay. So let me find screen share. Uh, yeah, usually in a debate, you know, whoever brings up Hitler first loses. But actually, <laughs> Darwinism produces. Um, so, in let's there we go. This uh, is Francis Galton. Okay, can everybody see my screen? Yes. Yeah. Okay, this is Francis Galton. It's Darwin's cousin. Okay, he invented the word eugenics. What is the, and you can see the breakdown from Greek there. What, what is eugenics, is that, uh, uh, Jeff? Well-born, noble, somebody who, so you're, you're looking, eugenics is the science of, of uh, the study of, 
of uh, making sure that those who are born are those who have good genes. <laughs> yeah, and so Darwin, had his cousin, had produced his book, uh, Origin of the Species, and he talked about the idea of natural selection, that nature eliminates the things that are less fit and keeps protecting and, and, and causes the preservation of things that are most fit. Well, and so that's why the evolutionists would say rabbits end up with big ears so they can hear well, giraffes end up with long necks, butterflies end up with colorful spots to attract mates, etc. And the ones that don't have pretty spots or long necks or good ears get eliminated from the gene pool so they're not there. Well, Darwin's cousin reads Darwin and thinks, yeah, that's right. And then he decides to apply that to humanity. So he favored fertility for fine minds and sterility for the stupid. Nobody denies that his ideas led directly to the horrors of the Nazi era. Now, notice who said this. This was not a gospel preacher that said this. This is Steve Jones. He's a well-known evolutionist and professor. Uh, he was professor of genetics, may still be, at the University College in London. And he's president, or at least was in 2004, of what used to be called the Eugenics Society and is now called the Galton Institute. He's president of that. And this is him saying that it led directly to the Nazi era. Well, okay, so, so your point is that under the Nazi era, they oppressed certain class of people and you're assuming- The majority. You kept saying it was determined yeah. by the majority. Yeah, okay. And the majority decided this is the way it's going to go. Yeah, well, okay. So I would say that was immoral because they were trying to wipe out a class of people based on, um, based on their race, and racism is immoral. So we shouldn't eliminate people based on their race. Should we eliminate people based on where they live. No, I don't think yeah. we should eliminate. Should we eliminate yeah. Should we eliminate people based on how old they are? No, I don't think we should eliminate people based on how old they are. Oh, well, if somebody is in their 30th week of gestation and their address is their mother's womb, should we eliminate them? Well, that's not a person yet. See, that that's what we were saying before. That's that's you've got to define a person and a person is somebody who is you know who's been born and well, that's a false premise to start with that's your opinion that the person's not a, a, that baby is not a person so we could debate well, okay maybe but let's take it out of the let's take it out of the womb what about uh, a, a five-year-old child who has a deformity and that deformity if that gene continues on is going to just produce more deformed children so maybe we should eliminate that five-year-old child based on your premise i don't see anything wrong with that based on the fact that there's we're not is what would make that wrong to take the person out does does it help society does it really help society to take that person out maybe you know i mean um but it, that's but really what it comes to. so right. society is your is your God, lower G, society is your God. That's that's to be what needs to protect, be protected. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah. so Jeff, don't you, uh, Scott, um, weren't you going to go somewhere with that, with the, the the method of evolution 
and how even that contradicts what Jeff is saying. Well, that had to do with the subject of homosexuality in particular, uh, which hasn't come up yet. Uh, okay. Homo who? What did you say that has to do? Homosexuality. Oh, homo oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I think it's immoral to, to. I think it's immoral to to be hateful to homosexuals. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Go uh, back. Yes. Go, go back to Dar. Go back to Darwin's theory, though, of the survival of the fittest. What does that say? Well, uh, you know, Darwin's survival of the fittest is that those that are fit survive and propagate, and thus uh, nature selects those that are are able to survive, and so the rate the the um, the kind evolves and improves. Okay, and, that, and that's then the morality that you're adhering to. That's part of it. Okay. Go ahead. If I, if I can just interject right now for anybody who just tuned in late, I don't believe these things that I'm saying. <laughs> I'm pretending to be an atheist or an agnostic. I just don't want anybody to tune in and think that Jeff has really gone off the deep end here. <laughs> yeah, right. Back in yes. the it's All a good right. thing you pointed out. If we, we may have had somebody tuned in for the first five minutes, and they're already gone. So <laughs> Jeff may be getting some email. <laughs> Tell you what, let's give Jeff a chance to respond to some of the arguments he's been making. All right. When, when we start out with the idea that there is a morality, there is right and wrong, it is either absolute or it's not. It's just, it has to be either absolute or it's relative. If it's absolute, then that means it's it's objective. It's outside of me. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel. And society collectively, it doesn't matter because society collectively is just what the, the most of us feel. We've got a note from a viewer. I'm glad you clarified because I did tune in late. <laughs> glad, glad that you heard the clarification, Bonnie. <laughs> if, if we say that, Morality is absolute, then, then that means that it comes from something outside of you, me, or all of us put together. Because otherwise, it's not absolute. It, otherwise, it's, it's subjective and it's relative. It depends on what you and I, or you or I, or us collectively think. So if it's absolute, then that implies that morality comes from something outside of ourselves, and then necessarily we're, we're to God. I don't care whether you say, wait a minute, I don't believe in the God of the Bible. Somebody says, it doesn't matter whether you believe in the God or the Bible or not. Once you say morality is absolute, you've said that it comes from something outside of you, me, or us. And if that's the case, you've got a God. Like it or not, you've got a well, God. Well, that's the problem, though. A lot of people will not go that far then saying that oh, it's absolute. So, they, so then if, if morality is relative, if it's not absolute, it's relative. If it's relative then it depends on the situation and who determines the situation, who judges that? Well, I can judge it. You can judge it, or we can elect somebody to judge it, or we can just say whoever is the strongest judges it The you know, might makes right basically, but still it comes down to morality is not absolute. It's just based on what somebody thinks, whether it's what I think or whether it's what you think or it's whether it's what we collectively think or whether it's somebody who imposes upon us what he thinks, it still just depends upon what somebody thinks. And if that somebody, whether it's you, me, us collectively, or someone who imposes upon us, 
on us says that it is moral to kill your neighbor than it is. And there's nothing to be said against it because we've already said it's relative. It just depends on the circumstances. That depends on what somebody thinks. And then it's just a question of who gets to do the thinking. It's just a question of whether it's you, me, us, or somebody who imposes it upon us. And so then anything can be moral or immoral depending upon uh, what the somebody says about it. And in which case then nothing is immoral. There is no morality. All there is, is, is just what we think. So for there to be morality, for there to be morality, the, the only way there can, it makes any sense to talk about morality is if it's morality in an absolute sense. And if, it, if there's morality in absolute sense, then obviously there is something outside of ourselves that imposes that morality, and that would be God, like it or not. Let's bring in some biblical text on this subject, and then I'd like us to turn our attention to kind of a double standard uh, or irony that's going on in common culture. But first, let's bring in some biblical text. What If we're talking with someone about morals and, and wanting to introduce them to what the Bible says, where, where might you begin? I'm sorry, Scott. I was looking at comments from viewers. Repeat that. All right. If, if you want, if you want to start a conversation with an unbeliever, an agnostic, or a, a relatively good, you know, as far as you know, neighbor type good, uh, atheist might be or something. If you can get a conversation going enough that you can start introducing to them what the Bible says about morality, where might be a good starting point? I, it might start with Jeremiah twenty three ten. The way of man is not in himself; it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Um, or there is the proverb, and if I can get it in my head, um, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And so we introduce this idea that what I think is right isn't necessarily right. If if I'm willing to listen to what the Bible says, the Bible says there are things I may think are right, and yet the end is death. And really, we'll get started, start seeing a relationship between morality and death. Immorality leads to death and separation from God. And, and morality is that which is from the God who gives life. And so, so basically, in these two passages, there are these two ideas. One idea is that I can't look within myself to find the way I should go. It's got to be something outside of me. And the other passage, the proverb is saying, it's indicating that that's because if I look within myself, I'm going to find a way that I think is right, but it's going to be destructive. It's going to lead to my death, my spiritual death, my eternal death. And that's because I'm going to look, when I look within myself, I'm going to look at what I want and what I want. You know, we, we talked about Darwinism just a little bit ago. Darwinism basically looks at man as no different, just more highly evolved than animals. Animals do what their urges compel them to do. They're basically the product of, their, their activities are the product of their instincts and their urges and, and their need to survive. And uh, if, if that's all I am, then morality's out the window. It's just a matter of what do I need to do to survive. And if that means I need to steal from you or I need to kill you or whatever, then okay, I'll do that because I'm going to do what I feel I need to do. But, but if we think about man as he's described in the Bible, he is more than the animals. He is created in the image of God. He, has, he is a spiritual being living in a physical body, and he's going to stand before God and give account of himself, and he's either going to face eternal destruction or eternal life. Given that, 
I need to live differently than the animals. I can't just do what I feel like doing. I can't look within myself. That may lead to death. I need to listen to the one before whom I'm going to stand, the one who's going to judge me and let him tell me what is the right way to go. Right, right. Uh, Jonathan or Drew, any particular passage that come to your mind that you would want to use to introduce to an unbeliever the concept of morality from the Word of God? Um, I think we mentioned. I think we mentioned um, before uh, in the pre-meeting, um, but just establishing the idea: uh, if we're talking about morality that comes from God, uh, how can we trust the morality that comes from God? And that might be important to introduce. Uh, a passage that comes to my mind in uh, Deuteronomy 10, in verse, uh, where is it, verse 12, uh, well, verse 13. Uh, he says, keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Um, and you could go through the, the Bible and, and just see um, the nature of God and understanding that, that we can trust God. There's a, similar to what um, the proverb that, Jeff brought up, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's in his death. Um, in uh, Isaiah 46, um, in this definition, or not really a definition, but talking about God, um, God uh, says, remember this and stand firm. Uh, this is Isaiah 46, verse 8. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things from old. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things not yet done. Um, so God understands how life is supposed to work. If he made life, obviously understands how life is going to work. And so if he's going to instruct us in life and give us a morality, I think that's something that we can trust based on the character of God. Very good. I want to come back to that in a minute. Drew, what well, passage would you... I was already thinking, but Jeff mentioned it, the one when man doesn't know to what know the steps, don't know the way to direct his own steps. He can't do it on his own. And was that Jeremiah you said? Jeremiah, um, yeah, let me turn that. It's uh, Jeremiah 23.10. I'm sorry, it's Jeremiah 10.23. Jeremiah 10.23. And I'll just turn over there and read it. Okay. I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in man who walks to direct his steps. And then he says, correct me, O Lord. So he turns to the Lord for instruction and correction. Yeah, that, that's, that was the and final another, one that popped out in my head. Very good. Very good. I think another thing that's helpful is that most people who – have a theoretical idea well yes this would be good or that wouldn't be good or you don't want to do something bad on a personal level a lot of them even if they don't admit it completely intellectually i think when you start looking at what the bible says about sin sometimes that really resonates with people because you and i have a problem that is shared by all the agnostics and atheists and everyone else and it's in Isaiah 53 in these words. How many of us like sheep have gone astray to our own way? All of us. All of us. How many of us? All of us. Oh, Romans 3.23. How, how many of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Every one of us. All of us. And that, that uh, high ethic uh, uh, atheist or agnostic, he knows more about his own life and his own failings 
than you know the person meeting them on the street. And so I think it's effective to go back and just look at the Bible message. In the Bible message, it says that in the beginning, the world, when man and woman were put on it, God looked down and said it was very well. Very, very good. Well, he said it once. Very, very good. Was that? Very good. Yeah. And I found a very effective question to ask people is this. Now, if it's an atheist, you, you know, it's, uh, you know, they don't believe there's a God. But if they believe there's a God or, or to even suppose if there is a God, when he looks down at this world today, do you think a moral and holy God would look at this world and say, wow, very good? Well, no, and, and pretty course, much everybody. We've seen times in history when he certainly did not. Genesis 6, 6, 6, chapter verse 5, he saw that every thought of man was evil continually. And I don't think any of us would say that if it, man himself looks at this world and complains about the corruption and the immorality and the violence. Exactly. That so. Exactly. And getting, getting the person to think about, yeah, this world is pretty messed up. And then start thinking about why and seeing how selfishness is behind sin. Right there. So, right. for example, when, but just just hit that word, when, selfishness. Yes. I mean, just if when I can just interject this real quickly. If I can just interject this real quickly. Yes. The, the whole idea of, of looking for morality within ourselves is selfishness. It's something that I think has yes. to be what I feel I want. And that's, that's where we go off the tracks. All right, anyway, go ahead. That's right. So when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? Does he say the greatest commandment of all is to not eat pork? No. Is it to rest on the Sabbath? No. Is it that the Levites are priests? No. What was the greatest commandment of all? To love God with all your heart and mind. Yes. And then what he say was the second greatest commandment? To love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Which was and he like, said everything else yeah. so, is based on those two things. Everything else depends on that. So in loving God, that means recognizing something superior to myself. That I don't get to just decide, well, self wants this, so self should be able to get this. I need to recognize something more important than myself. And then in loving my neighbor, so that's vertical. In loving my neighbor as myself, that means I shouldn't do to my neighbor things I wouldn't want done to me. And I should do to my neighbor things that I would want done to me. Jesus summed it up in the Sermon on the Mount this way, do unto others as, as you want you them, them to do to you. And again, he says, on this hangs the law and the prophets. And then get the person to start thinking about what if everybody, everybody in Pennsylvania, everybody in the United States, what if everybody started loving their creator more than themselves and treating other people equally and fairly and rightly? Uh, what are some things we wouldn't need? How about locks? Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't need passwords. locks. You know, there's so many things you wouldn't. Yeah, you, you wouldn't need passwords. You wouldn't, if everybody would just treat other people right, you, we wouldn't have to worry about child abuse. We wouldn't have to worry about all the things that we have to worry about. But 
we do have to face those things because there is constant immorality and sin, which comes from selfishness. And God's rules, the law of Moses said, are for what? For our good always. And one more verse from 1 Timothy chapter 4, it said, Godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life which now is and of that which is to come. So if we ignore God's rules now, the Bible says we're going to face a judgment where we will be held accountable and condemned for those sins. But it's not just beneficial once the day of judgment comes. It's beneficial in life now. When we give up on that selfishness, develop a servant attitude, and put God above self and treat our fellow man uh, linearly and, and, and show them the respect that they ought to be treated with, that each human ought to treat another with. Yeah. It is interesting to think about how to get somebody's attention, somebody who's kind of grown up in this world with the idea that God is old fashioned and that the Bible is old fashioned, but they still believe that there's, there has to be some kind of right and wrong or something. It is interesting how to get them to think about this. And maybe, maybe an approach is to say, look, you know, in a particular nation, in a particular society, uh, right and wrong can't just be autonomous. We can't just say, okay, everybody do good, but everybody, you can decide for yourself what you think is good. No, that's not the way it works. We have a government, you may have a king, you may have a Congress, you may have courts, whatever, but you have some kind of institutional uh, authority that establishes the laws for the society, and that's how it works. That's how society works. And, and I think most people see, would see, well, yeah, that's, that's going to be necessary. You can't just have everybody deciding for themselves uh, what they're going to think is, is what they should do. You know, taxes would never get paid, roads would never get paved, and so on. So then maybe you step back and say, well, some, some societies and some nations are, are, more, are more successful, others are less successful. Some are more corrupt, some are less corrupt. And so how do you expect mankind as a whole, all nations, how, what, is, what would govern them? Maybe then it helps people see it, it, it's not going to work unless there is somebody who officially, authoritatively imposes what's the standard. I remember another conversation on that, that four question survey had with Bella, the fellow was an agnostic and I asked him, you know, is there right and wrong above us, right and wrong, or is it just merely cultural and we determine our own truth? And he said, cultural, we determine our own truth. And then I asked, what if a particular society exterminates the elderly as, you know, mm -hmm. uh, pedophilia, child pornography. And this was another guy, this was his answer. Well, you know, we could go over there and fight them and de defeat them. <laughs> and I said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, right and wrong is by culture. Our culture not liking it, it doesn't. But if it's culturally determined, then what right do we have to impose our morals on their culture? Exactly, exactly. And, and most, and then you'll have the people who will say, well, there's not really right and wrong. 
And you know, if you if you pull their wallet out of their pocket and walk away with it, they'll probably their actions will probably demonstrate their lack of faith in their. But but then they have to address the question: Does there is their concept of right and wrong just whether I like it or not? If their concept of right and wrong just boils down whether if I like it, it's right, and if I don't like it, it's wrong. Obviously, you're going to run into conflict because I like taking the money out of your wallet. You may not like that, but I like it. Here's the irony I wanted to spend a couple minutes on. Jonathan had an excellent sermon Sunday night on shame. And Jonathan, without going back to all the general context, could you bring out just some of the main points you were talking about, about how our culture today views shame and how we should view shame just very briefly? And then I want to point out something. Um, Yeah, when you think about shame, uh, it's... In our culture, people hate shame, um, and it's, you shouldn't be ashamed of anything. And that's kind of the the mentality that whatever you want to do, be proud of it. Um, don't let anybody shame you into what you're doing or anything like that. Um, but the the Bible gives a very different picture of shame. Um, well, and what were some of the Bible? We had several Bible verses uh, about uh, in verse shame. 15. That just help oh sorry i cut out again but in jeremiah chapter 6 verse 15 um it says were they ashamed when they committed an abomination no they were not ashamed they did not know how to blush therefore they shall fall among those who fall and so god tells israelites you need to be ashamed and you didn't know how to be ashamed you need to be ashamed of your actions because um kind of like what jeff mentioned as it comes to morality um morality is something that separates mankind from the animals like animals don't feel a moral obligation to do good or when they don't do good they don't feel morally bad about it but shame is supposed to be a motivator to get us to not do evil um and to not you know hurt other people and things like that um if you're not ashamed of anything then you can just do whatever you want and when when the people in Thessalonica when some of the brethren there were not working expecting other people to take care of them spending their time being busybodies and irresponsible and they've been warned and warned not to live that lifestyle and they won't straighten it out the text says that the other faithful christians there should refuse their fellowship and and not keep company with them don't count them as an enemy admonish them that they might repent but to stop accepting them and in socializing with them to the end that they would be ashamed you know they were behaving shamefully and they needed to feel shame for how they were acting and a lot of voices in our society really treat guilt and shame oh that's bad you shouldn't feel that you shouldn't feel that now here's the irony the type of people that say those things seem to believe very strongly in shame because they spend they go to determined efforts to shame people who do they constantly try to shame deemed as those who are deemed as intolerant of their lifestyle yes you know if somebody says i believe the bible teaches this is wrong you are homophobic and that term is designed to do what shame you yeah oh you're afraid no, I've asked the question before, are you moral phobic? You know, um, 
there's lots of language and code language and a, a degree of, of you're not allowed to think this, you're not allowed to say this, and they want believers to be ashamed. Paul said in Romans chapter one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The progressive left wants believers to be ashamed of their faith, to be ashamed of what the Bible says. And if, they, if you speak on it, there's going to be a lot of shaming that you shouldn't say that. So I find it very kind of ironic that the people who seem to be so much against the idea of shame employ it a great deal. There's an interesting verse along that idea in um, Philippians chapter three, where Paul is talking about um, a specific group of people that have abandoned Christianity, abandoned Christ, um, and and I think abandoned the the morality that comes with with following God and following His His will. And in verse nineteen of chapter three in Philippians, he says, "Their end is destruction." Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. That's really what we're talking about. A life without morality from God is a life that is controlled by your own desires. Your God is your belly. What you want is what you get. And that's just glorying in shame. And you're just set on earthly things. And ultimately, that's going to that's gonna end up destroying you eternally but but that'll also destroy you here in this life too living your life in a selfish lifestyle nobody wants to be around that kind of person and so it's like what you said the verse that you brought up in first timothy 4 godliness promises you know good things in this life and also the life to come that's what that's what god's morality is is supposed to be used for that's a good point to end on thanks Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, are you hearing me okay, Scott? Do you hear me? Yes. Because yep. sometimes I'll be saying something and, and you hadn't responded. And I thought maybe something, because I am having some technical technical difficulties here. But anyway, so we went past our time. Guys, I want to thank you for this very interesting topic. And we'll pick up again next time on other areas that maybe we have subtopics on this one. Anything else before we uh, close out for today? Well, everybody, have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next uh, Tuesday at the same time, 2 o'clock. Bye-bye.